they claim that our eyes will just be created a slightly different from what they are when we talk to the same things Welcome to Strange Familiars. How are you doing tonight, Allison? I'm doing well. Good to know. On tonight's show, I'm going to be talking to Jonathan, who has multiple experiences, some of them pretty intense. He seemed to have been followed by something, unless the same type of thing started showing up in two different places, from Florida to California. This red-eyed, upright wolf thing. It made the journey with him when he moved? I mean... Put another check in the column of these things not being physical animals. And he's got some abduction experiences, UFOs, and so forth. Before we talk to Jonathan, I want to thank our patrons. Patrons, thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your help. We could not do Strange Familiars without you. We wouldn't want to. Yeah, I was going to say we wouldn't. Yeah. Without you guys, no Strange Familiars. If you like what we do, if you like Strange Familiars, and you'd like to get extra content please consider becoming a patron at Patreon. Patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. All of our patrons get commercial-free versions of the weekly shows. They drop often before the episode drops in the regular podcast feed. Sometimes that's minutes before. <laughs> Sometimes it's a good <laughs> like while before. technicality before. Yeah. And bonus episodes besides... We do at least one full bonus episode of Strange Familiars for our patrons every month. Often, we do more. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Again, if you want to sign up. We also have a subscription on Apple Podcasts. You can sign up there and get commercial-free shows and the bonus shows as well. Alba Twitch Day, awesome. Your favorite day of the year. October 14th, Saturday. Columbia, Pennsylvania. I think everyone listening should come. Every single person. Our listeners from Japan. <laughs> our listeners from Ireland. Australia, especially. Australia. You definitely want to have more than a day's flight to go to Columbia, Pennsylvania. We definitely have some New Zealand listeners all throughout the States, Europe, England. You can name countries. I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> what about our Canadian friends? Canadian listeners. All of them. They should all come to Albertwitch Day. Make the journey. To come see us at Albert Twitch Day. You know why? Because it's the greatest day of the year. In Columbia, it certainly is. It's better than my birthday, and that's saying something. No, Albert Twitch Day is great. I love it so much. I love getting to see all the listeners and just talking to people. And often we get a few new stories. People got spooky stories, especially local stories of creatures and stuff. Usually it seems like a big, fun, strange familiars party, though. So I'd love to see everybody there who can make it. I'm not speaking. So you can just come and hang out. Exactly. It's kind of good in a way. I mean, you know, if you wanted to see me speak, I guess it's not so good. But I will be speaking at, at Strange Realities, which is, I think it's streamed online. So you can see me speak there. But We can actually have um, private conversations. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to speak at Alba Twitch Day whenever they ask me to. That's It's like an honor. And, you know, I feel like I've been coming since year one. Yeah, and this you know. is the 10th anniversary. Yeah. But also, like, not speaking has its advantages, too. And one is just being able to be there all day, hang out, talk to people, sign books and everything. It's a nice day next to the river, too. It's just scenic. and There's a ton of vendors. Not all of them paranormal. you got artists. you got, you know, a handful of paranormal things. you got food vendors. Usually good food out there. You can't have, like, a local Pennsylvania event without a food vendor. No one would show up. Yeah, yeah. Albatwitch Day will be selling the Albatwitch t-shirts of their own. We, Strange Familiars, are going to have three new t-shirt designs. Plus the old standbys, which may be new to you. Right. Two of the three t-shirt designs have never been on t-shirts before. One is uh, something I'd done for TeePublic, which we don't have that shop anymore. So th this will be a silkscreen version, though, which... I greatly prefer silkscreen printing to that digital printing that T Public does. 
So it's a great time to come out and get new shirts. We might have a few hoodies of one design, too. We've got a lot of things, a lot of irons in the fire here. And if everything works out, we'll have three new T-shirt designs and a handful of hoodies as well. Some bags, too, right? Oh, yeah, and some tote bags. Yeah, I forgot Big enough, you, your specification was big enough to put records in them. Big enough to put records in. I doubt I'll be bringing any Stone Breath records to sell because we were going to have so much other stuff there that day. But you could put records in them. Or your three T-shirts, your three new Strange Familiars T-shirts that you get there. But if you don't have any money, just come out anyway because it's just a great day to hang. Yeah, just so be by the river, walk yeah. around, see people. And then Columbia is just such a, a great little town and it's really – Flourishing as a million antique stores, vintage clothing stores. Cafes and cafes. restaurants. You know, there's other things to do. There's, they'll have music, of course. They're going to have uh, ghost tours. I think the trolley tours. So there's a ton of things to do for all ages there. So come on out. Albatwitch Day, it's by the river in Columbia on October 14th. It's right in the shadow of the bridge, the Columbia Wrightsville Bridge. Which isn't the one that burned down in the Civil War. But it's in a similar location. It's, yeah, it's near. So if you find the bridge that goes across the river, you're not far from Albatwitch Day festivities. I think it starts at 10 in the morning and goes till 3 or 4. We usually get there earlier than 10 and end up staying a little bit later because just... There's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. a lot going on and, and things kind of wind down slowly. It doesn't cost anything to get in, so... That's what I mean. Yeah, so I'm saying. If you don't have any money, just come hang out. Yeah. <laughs> We have the big black pop-up tent. Usually I have a big Bigfoot banner, one of my Bigfoot drawings hanging from it. Chad will be there. We'll have some ruck rabbity stuff, I'm sure, some wool and knives and so forth. Saturday, October 14th in Columbia, Pennsylvania, Albatwitch Day, 10th Annual. Hope to see you there. All right, I'm going to be talking with Jonathan. Just a, a little content warning before we start. Jonathan does mention some drug and alcohol use in this interview. It's not extreme, but... If you're listening with kids or something. Yeah, if you're wishing with, listening with kids, maybe you want to check it out first and then decide if you want your kids to listen. There is some pretty serious consequences to uh, one of these alcohol-related stories. So uh, just, you know, just putting that out there for the listeners. All right, let's go ahead and talk with Jonathan. I'd like to welcome Jonathan to the show. How are you doing tonight, Jonathan? I'm doing all right. Thanks for coming on Strange Familiars. you got a series of experiences that look pretty interesting to me. When did all this start for you? I think in your email you said it started at a pretty young age. Yeah, pretty much my whole life has been a little weird. There's like periods of time where nothing strange happened. Mm -hmm. But one of my first memories is of laying in bed and there being a pair of glowing red eyes like self-illuminated red eyes looking at me through the window. And that started the first time I remember I was maybe three and a half, four years old when we lived in Florida before mm -hmm. we moved. So I, I might get a little emotional. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. So it started when I was like four, three or four. It lasted up until I was like nine or ten. The activity followed us from Florida because my, my father retired from the Air Force. And we moved to California to live with my grandmother. And she lived out in an unincorporated area in Solano County, California, kind of by like Napa and Sonoma on a seven acre property with like a private lake, not in the middle of nowhere, but it, it was, you know, like a 15 minute drive to get into town, the nearest city. And actually I realized something kind of funny after I emailed you the first time, I was looking up the property in case you wanted to see it on Google Maps or whatever. And the crossroad that connects to the road it's on is Tim's Road. Huh. So there's a little bit of the name game going on there. Yeah. Now, when you say the activity continued, you mean specifically these red eyes or just Spe general? Specifically the red eyes. And then also when I was about seven and a half, eight years old, I believe I had an abduction experience. Let's take these one at a time. Yes. Did you have any impression or any thoughts what these red eyes were? 
Yeah, I actually am fairly certain that it was a wolf-like creature. And are you basing and that on just your impressions or, or what? The best I saw was an outline, but I also proceeded to have dreams throughout my entire life. Like, I still have them to today occasionally where the same red eyes and the creature were, like, chasing me. And it's one of those very realistic dreams. And I know I'm asleep, which is unusual because I don't usually lucid dream. But it hunts me. And eventually it will catch me and kill me in the dream. And I always wake up, like, gasping as soon as that happens. Wow. Now, is this an, yeah. like an upright wolf thing or is it just a... Yes, very, yeah. very much so. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be cliche, but think like Van Helsing kind of looking creature. Now, when you were seeing these at your window, were you on a ground floor? No, second floor. But there is a like a sloped roof that is easy to access outside the window I was seeing it out of. Oh, that's really interesting. And... My sister and I were sharing a bedroom. We had bunk beds at the time, and I could never get her to wake up when it was happening. It was one of those things. Oh, that's very interesting, too. That's very interesting. Someone else, yeah, and I I tried telling my mom, but, of course, kids get blown off. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's just kid stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, which is weird, because, like, growing up, my mother was pagan and into a lot of really weird stuff. It's totally the kind of thing she would believe in happening to somebody else, but trying to tell her that something like that is happening to me, she just didn't take it seriously. Mm -hmm. And it might be that, well, it's always harder with people who know you, I think, with this stuff. I find that, you know, the people that know you are the, it's not that they're the least likely to believe you, but they're the most likely to say, well, maybe you saw something else. Maybe it was this, maybe it was that, where people who don't know me seem more willing to accept this stuff at face value. Yeah, I guess it is a little easier to dismiss when it's close to home. Yeah, the other thing is maybe she did kind of understand something was going on and just did not want to deal with it. Considering a couple other things, that's actually very possible. I didn't really think about that until recently, but she very well could have experienced similar activity she's just never admitted to that in particular Mm -hmm. yeah i mean there's a there's a lot of people who will uh, read about this stuff or listen to podcasts or be otherwise involved with it and when it comes to personal stuff they'll just shut down you know even if it's it could be happening right to them and they'll just shut down they want you know nothing to do with it yeah i I did actually did that for a very long time i 34, and I just started coming to terms with all of this within the last two years or so because of a certain experience I had that I'm sure we'll get to. But it just got to the point where I couldn't deny it anymore. I was like, this actually seems like it's happening because the whole time I'm like, no, I'm I'm just losing my mind. Yeah. I'm just crazy. Like, You said these red eyes sort of followed you. So were you seeing them still through the window and stuff at night? Wait, what do you mean by... Like, still now? Well, you said when you were younger, the the activity seemed to follow you when you moved. Yes, okay. Was that the red eyes? Yes, that was the red eyes. Yeah, and and so were you still seeing them through the window? You know, wherever you you moved to this other location, okay. Yeah, the location where we were on the second floor was where I, I saw them through the window. So I saw them through the window in Florida, but I was pretty young. Mm-hmm. when we moved and I don't have a lot of clear memories. I just remember the red eyes and a couple other things. And the window in Florida was on the ground floor. Okay. We moved to California, the windows on the second floor, but it, you know, it was like a roof you could go outside on. Yeah. Well, you know, things climbing on roofs are a special interest of mine as regards to this stuff. So I'm sort of not surprised, but also kind of extra interested if something's on a roof and looking in your windows. Very, very interesting. Uh, Can I ask if there's a particular reason why you're interested in things on roofs? Sure, because it comes up in folklore, comes up in Bigfoot accounts. It comes up in these, you know, quote unquote, dogman accounts, if that's what we want to call these things. I don't think that's a very good name for them, but it's a fine shorthand term, I guess. 
but it, it, it comes up in Draugr accounts from North mythology. It comes up in folklore about Perkta, about these things climbing on roofs. Now, why is that? Like, it's so weird. It's such a weird detail. But these stories from all over the world of these folklore creatures getting up on roofs are, you know, specifically noted. In fact, uh, one of the places you would leave offerings for Perkta, this, uh, she's like sort of a fairy-like figure in dramatic regions, but she's accompanied by this uh, retinue of wild men and glowing orbs, which I find super interesting. But you would actually leave offerings for her on the roof. You would leave bowls of milk for her on the roof. So whenever I hear about anything climbing on roofs, and there's been tons of accounts of Bigfoot and Dogman and all this other stuff climbing on people's roofs, and often, I mean, I've been on some local calls where people say, oh yeah, this thing was on my roof, and they live in a little trailer. And I'm thinking like, an eight foot tall Bigfoot was on your roof. Like I've, I used to do telephone work. I'd be on the top of trailers and construction sites and stuff, wiring them. I've almost put my foot through the roof. If something the size of Bigfoot would leave a major mark. So it's not that I don't believe the witnesses. I absolutely believe them. They're far too serious and far too affected by this stuff to be lying. I think. So what's happening there? Like, how does that work? And it's just just very, very interesting to me. It's something I haven't figured out, but it is something that that you hear again and again, these things on roofs. Okay, yeah, I've heard some stories involving roofs. I didn't know it went back that far into folklore. Well, do you want to talk about this abduction or possible abduction next? I know abduction is never an easy thing to talk about, trust me. Yeah, um, I actually, I, I didn't tell anybody about this until very recently because I convinced myself it was a dream Mm -hmm. because when I tried to tell my mother what had happened she said oh no that's just a dream but I don't I don't think it is anymore because of the experience of coming to terms with being a quote-unquote abductee I don't necessarily believe I was physically taken Mm -hmm. it's been a really weird (laughs) really weird experience uh like putting these things together where it started was in the same bedroom that I, I had the creature looking through the window at me. And I woke up one night to a light and I was on the top bunk and I kind of looked over into the room to figure out what was going on. And there were, there were three Borg like from Star Trek Mm-hmm. Uh, except they had the stereotypical, like, big almond-shaped gray alien eyes. Mm. So they had, like, I don't know what to call it, like the sort of cybernetic stuff that the Borg had on them? Yeah, no, they looked, like, dead-on, mm-hmm. like the Borg from Star Trek, which it, it sounds absolutely crazy, and that's why I convinced myself that it, it wasn't real. But um, I've had other experiences since then. They took me because I saw them and then I became paralyzed. They took me and I like they touched me and I passed out and I woke up on a table. Oh, I woke up on a table with the three of them around me and they performed surgery on me. And I have a very vivid memory of them like cutting all of my limbs open. Wow. Like starting at the joint and like working their way down the limb, cutting it open and like tinkering around in there. And then they also cut open my torso and I tried to struggle. I couldn't move. They told me to calm down telepathically. Like the communication was in my head. Mm -hmm. They told me to calm down. They were like, we're not trying to hurt you. We're upgrading you. We're making you better. Wow. And then I kind of passed back out and woke up in my bed, like crying and freaking out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was very upset. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah. Could you feel pain when they were working on you? Yes, 100%. Oh, wow. I could could feel the pain. Uh, There's no anesthesia, no numbing at all. It was just straight up like being cut up mm. and put back together. Wow. Wow. So I don't expect that there were, but did you have any marks when you woke up? I don't know. Actually, I didn't, I didn't even think to look at the time because I was, you know, maybe seven and a half, eight years old. Oh, yeah. And extremely yeah. upset. And I just straight up like 
ran to my mom and was like, hey, I had this thing happen to me. You know, I saw the Borg in my room and they took me. And of course, it gets dismissed as a dream. Yeah. I mean, so I didn't even look for Mark's after mine and I was 18 or 19 or how old I was. So I don't blame you. I don't know that there would be. That doesn't mean it wasn't real. You know what I mean? But I have I have had experiences where I woke up and had marks. Oh yeah, like other abduction type experiences. I think so. Those I don't have as clear a memory of. Mm-hmm. But okay, so I think I was listening to your podcast and someone was describing their abduction experiences, and the way they phrased it was that when it was getting ready to happen, they would lay in bed and hear the sound of a street sweeper. Mm-hmm. I had a panic attack hearing that, and I had so many memories flood back about laying in bed, like panicking to the sound of a street sweeper. Wow. After one of those experiences, I woke up and I had like a, like a straight, razor straight incision on the back of my, uh, what's the part that attaches to your foot called? Like the back of my foot where it connects to the leg. Oh, like the, the uh, your Achilles tendon or whatever there. Yeah, yeah, just like a straight up like razor, razor straight cut. And aside from a, like nosebleeds, um, that's the only mark I've ever woken up with. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's really, really intense. Very specific memory for, did you say you were like seven or something the first time? Like seven and a half and eight. It was, we moved to California basically on my seventh birthday. Mm-hmm. And this was maybe, it was within a year of us moving there because we were still living with my grandmother. Yeah. At the time. Very, very specific dream, quote unquote dream for, for a young kid to come up with and very intense. I don't think it was a dream. Now, I don't, I don't either. Now, but, were you really physically in body taken? I don't know. I don't know. I, I have the same question about myself, you know, or is this something that happens out of body? I don't know. I don't have any answers, but everything you say sounds like any number of these other abduction experiences people report. Um, yeah, I've never heard somebody describe the Borg. No, no, but, the uh, entities other than that. The entities are different, but you know, who knows what that could be. You know, were they really different entities or is this just the costume you put on them in a sense, you know? Yeah. Might I have seen a traditional gray where you saw that? You know, I don't know. It's very disturbing and very interesting at the same time. Yeah. What is your impression? Do you think you were bodily taken? What is your impression? I do not. Yeah, okay. I do not think I was bodily taken. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like just like the dreams I had about the werewolf-like creature chasing me and killing me, I think it is entirely, my experiences were entirely not physical. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to explain to people. It's like, uh, yes, but that doesn't mean they weren't real and they didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, our bodies are just a shell. Yeah, sure, sure. Do you yeah. have a, a different feeling about these, or, you know, or, or that experience or the ones you remember, the abduction things, as opposed to, like, your regular run-of-the-mill dream, anxiety dream about, you know, I didn't get whatever work done or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, a thousand, a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the big dream versus little dream. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it, yeah. And there's an awareness that I have in the quote unquote big dreams where I know, I know that this is technically a dream and I've lucid dreamed a couple times and can, you know, kind of control it. Not a lot, but it's happened a little bit and I'm aware that I'm dreaming, but everything feels like a thousand percent real and I can't change anything. Mm-hmm. The way I can explain it to people, the only way I can make it make sense is to say it's so real. It's like almost more real than than regular waking life. I don't know how to explain that. It's very intense. Maybe it's just because whatever's happening is shocking and unusual and it becomes, you become hypersensitized. Like, uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced being in a car accident or or something traumatic like that. where It seems like time slows way down. Yeah. It's something maybe like that might be happening. I don't know. But whatever it is, even if it is a dream, it's not like a normal dream. Whatever's happening is just 
it's so different. I it's hard to explain. What you're saying is like it makes sense to me, and and it's what a number of other people have said as regards this stuff. Yeah, I actually think I might have gotten my phrasing of the big dream versus little dream thing from you. So, <laughs> I, well, I, I think I got it from Sarai, and he probably got it from somebody else. Uh, That's or, actually how I found you was through "Where Did the Road Go." We're passing it down the lane here. So you've seen <laughs> UFOs though in waking life, yes? Yes, I have um, three major UFO sightings. Like very clear, this was not a conventional aircraft. Two of them. I can't, well, I guess technically all three, I can't say if they were human or not, but mm-hmm. they did not exhibit the characteristics of a normal aircraft at all. And all, all of them were seen close enough to be certain of that. I grew up in like an Air Force family, literally lived at the end of a runway my entire childhood, was in like Air Force ROTC in high school for a little bit, been to tons of like tons of air shows. The whole nine yards, I've, I've wanted to get my pilot's license forever. Like, I love aviation. I'm very familiar with the characteristics of aircraft. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'll just start at the first one. Yeah, please. We were, we were going to family counseling. I was 16 years old. I kind of felt like I was getting railroaded a little bit in the, the counseling session. And so I went outside to smoke a cigarette. I look up in the air and there is an absolutely massive transparent translucent craft. It is at least 500 wide, 500 feet wide. It's a huge triangle. Uh, It's passing over me and like, I can see the stars behind it. And then I blink and it's like 45 minutes later and the, the session is over. Oh, Wow. So that's one of the experiences of missing time I have. Yeah. Wow. So huge ship, and you said it was like kind of translucent. Yeah, it was. It was clear. Like you could see through it. Like, like I could see the stars behind it, but everything was kind of distorted. Okay. Yeah. Like there was a very clear outline of this thing. I know it's really difficult to estimate how high things are, especially in the night sky. you have any estimate? Yeah, I have no idea how high it was. I just know it was massive. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, even, I didn't even realize I had missing time there until recently because I kind of had like a catalyst event that started bringing these memories back. That's something that immediately preceded my other two UFO sightings. Oh, okay. And I believe that it's related, but it, I mean, this would be an easy one to dismiss because um, is it okay to mention the use of mushrooms on your show? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As long as we're, we're noting that's what was going on. That's no problem. Okay. I took like an absolutely massive dose of <laughs> psilocybin mushrooms. I got like a tincture that was really strong and uh, kind of overdid it a little bit. And I was laying in bed. And I started getting the street sweeper noise because I, I was I was I was laying down to meditate because mm-hmm. uh, I'm not I didn't do that for like recreational purposes I do it for like internal soul searching purposes. Mm-hmm. I, I was laying down to meditate and I get the street sweeper noise, and the next thing I know I am sucked out of my body, and I'm like flying through space at what I'm assuming was light speed. Wow. Uh, It it was incredibly fast. And I stop at this space station. Like, I I wind up inside a space station talking to this being who was not a stereotypical gray. He kind of had, like, a more pronounced, like, brow ridge and brown skin. And I don't remember the whole conversation, but... I do remember speaking to this entity and begging him to let me come home. I was like, I'm done being here. I I just kind of want to come home. And he told me, no. He said, you're not done yet. You haven't experienced enough sorrow. Wow. Like, you you need to finish learning. And I'm like, fine, I'll go back. But you have to let me remember. Like, I'm done. I'm done forgetting all of this. You need to let me remember. And he was like, okay, if you want that, fine. 
And then I woke up back in my body and just kind of dismissed it as like a weird experience. But, oh, and I should also mention when I was there, all of the befuddlement was gone. I did not feel intoxicated. Everything was crystal clear. Because I, I always feel a little bit befuddled when I'm taking shrooms. Like I can't quite think straight, but that was all gone. Mm-hmm. And everything was crystal clear. And I had this conversation and then I woke back up in my body and I was basically crying and upset. And then I proceeded to have like a week's long <laughs> existential crisis about whether or not that was real and whether or not it really happened. Mm-hmm. When I, I finally settled on no, that didn't happen. That night I was driving to work and on my way to work, I see a light in the distance in the sky and it passes from my left and it, it's flying downward a little bit and it winds up behind some trees. And I'm driving down the road and I hit a point where like I'm passing the trees that went behind and there is a 40, it, this was no more than 150 feet off the ground. Mm-hmm. It was, it was very low and it was like 40, 50 feet long. It was kind of too rhombus. Is that the, the diamond shape? Yeah. Like the, the square, it was, it was like two rhombuses stacked on each other with one lower and one higher and there were three lights on it. There were two white lights and then a light in the back that was red. I did the whole paranormal apathy thing. I just looked at it and I was like, huh, that's interesting. What the hell is that thing? And kept driving to work. Hmm. Like I didn't pull over to look closer or anything. My windows were down. It was making absolutely no noise, which if it was a helicopter, you would, you would be hearing that. Oh, yeah. And I, also, I don't think there's a lot of helicopters that size either. And then I got to work and I got out of my car. And I was like, wait, what the, what was that? Like, what just happened? Somebody else had to have seen it. Like there were people on the road. I live, you know, 15, 20 minutes from Seattle. Like there's always somebody else on the road. And I, I can't imagine that nobody else saw it. Mm-hmm. But so then I, you know, I kind of got to the point that, like, a week, like maybe two weeks after that, where I, I managed to dismiss that. And then the same thing, driving to work and like a 15, 20 foot long craft literally buzzed my car in the parking lot while I was getting out of it. Oh, wow. It, it was very similarly shaped. Like, honestly, I, if I had to describe like the physical characteristics, it kind of looked like a stealth bomber fighter, whatever, but it was making zero noise. And it came down to within 15 feet of the top of my car, flew over my head, and then just, like, yeeted itself. And, like, just, it was gone. Mm-hmm. No noise at all. Wow. Both of these sightings, the first one of the two that happened after this interdimensional mushroom experience, or whatever you want to call it, when you decide that wasn't real, then you see a UFO in quote unquote real life in waking life. And you said, you know, you're trying to dismiss that one and you see another one. It's like just tapping you on the shoulder each time. Like it, like yeah. it's, it's not letting you dismiss it. You know, I think it's because I asked to remember. Mm, oh, Oh, I didn't and put that together. Yeah. It, it just like kicked the door down. And that was right before I had the experience about hearing Hearing the street sweeper sound, I had like a 45-minute panic attack after that. I had to sit down. But yeah, it was right before the street sweeper thing. It was before I I realized that I don't think the Borg thing was a dream because I just completely shoved that to the side as growing up and just like never even thought about it. She had a weird experience when I realized that I don't think that was a dream. I was at work and I work in a big retail store. And we're pretty much by ourselves most of the night because everybody's really spread out stocking shelves. Mm-hmm. And I was walking and I just like had the epiphany of, I don't think that was a dream. It kind of popped into my head out of nowhere. And then there was like a bang, bang on one of the shelves next to me. <laughs> like somebody hit the shelf really hard twice. And there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. This is 
what can I say? But in my mind, this is sort of the way the other works, right? It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, A, it's weird, but B, it's like, yeah, no, we're not going to let you think the way you think. And then when you said in that, in whatever state, you know, you're in on, on mushrooms, you said, I want to remember. And now it's like, oh yeah, you're going to remember. Like you yeah. asked for it. So now you're going to remember. It's very weird the way it works. I think possibly because it's non-human intelligence, you know, it doesn't work like the way we work. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely doesn't. But the part that's still weirding me out is why was I begging to come home? Like, that's kind of the part that stood out to me. Like, I was I was devastated, like, begging to come back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, huh. I, I mean, that, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. I did want to get my mother to admit to being abducted. And she said specifically that she was abducted when she was pregnant with me. And, like, I don't know if I take the whole starseed thing seriously. It's kind of... I don't want to be rude, but it feels a little silly in a lot of the cases. Mm -hmm. But, like, I don't know. She was abducted when she was pregnant with me, and I've never felt like I belong here. That's very interesting. And I, I don't understand people. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> like just our species as a whole is incredibly depressing to me because we're so cruel. Oh, yes. And I don't understand how people, like, I, I cry about it fairly regularly. I don't understand how people can do the things they do to other people mm -hmm. on a large scale. Yeah, I understand that. I don't know if that is indicative of, you know, some sort of, um, for lack of a better word, some sort of starseed or some sort of other thing mixed into your being, or if the flip side of that is I think oftentimes not always but oftentimes the people that that have these kind of connections especially these ongoing connections with the other tend to be more emotionally sensitive people i think i, I would agree with that actually everybody i know who's had weird experiences has been like very emotionally sensitive and yeah. i'm not gonna say i've never done any bad things in my life like i used to be an absolute monster when i was a teenager and I, I did some pretty bad things to people I cared about a lot, but like, I, I'm very much grown out of that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So does your mom, so she's pretty convinced of at least the one abduction experience she's had. Yeah, I, I got her to admit to once, but I'm not even on speaking terms with my mother anymore. So I, 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 mean, I guess I could call her and ask her about it, but it would be kind of weird hitting her up after like a year, year and a half with no contact. Mm, yeah. You're like, hey, you remember that time you said you were abducted? <laughs> yeah. Yes, family is difficult. Yeah, very. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the story about being slapped through a tent? Okay, this is actually kind of a fun story. So I used to build hiking trails. I was in a program called the California Conservation Corps, and we would go on what's called a spike, which is where you would go and you would camp out in a place that's really far out for eight days, and then you'd come back, you'd have six days off, and then you'd go work for another eight days. So we go up to an area by Crescent City. We were camping on the Tolawa Dunes doing invasive species removal. And me and my roommate were kind of like a little more like senior on the crew. Mm -hmm. And he was the only person on our crew that could drive the state vehicles. So him and I 
were went ahead of everybody and we were like starting to set up camp. And it, it's just him, me, and one other person there. And I have Aphantasia, which is relevant to the story. I don't know if you know what that is. I do not. Aphantasia is the inability to form a mental image. Huh. I can't see things in my head unless I'm in like a deep meditative state. It's just impossible for me. Huh. I think that has to do something with my being sensitive. I don't think that's the cause of it, but whenever something weird happens, or not every time, but when weird things happen, I will get like crystal clear images flashing in my mind. That's very, very interesting. Yeah. But we get there and I have a flash, a mental image, and it is like a crying, bloody, naked American, native, naked Native American woman. And I kind of, you know, have like a little panic attack and I tell my roommate what's going on because he was into weird stuff too. And I had like, I had got to the point where I had to sit down. It was really strong. I was just overcome with emotions. So I don't think it was that night, but two nights later, we were in our tents and the woman is back in my mind. Like she pops back up screaming and it wakes me up. Mm. And then my tent just like bends inward and smacks me in the face. I'm kind of glad I had to leave early that spike because I was pretty done being there. And I actually started looking into it for this show, like for this episode after I mentioned it to you. And it turns out like the site we were camping on was the place where like a, there was a super bad massacre mm. of natives at the Tolawood Dunes. Cause I also told my boss what happened. And so he looked into it and he got back and he's like, Oh yeah, they call this blood gulch. Cause there's a bunch of people got buried here. Oh wow. Huh? And I, but I didn't look into the details of the massacre until just like this past week. Mm-hmm. And it turns it was really bad. It was one of the bloodiest massacres in U.S. history. Mm. I know something reached through my tent. My mind would go immediately to Bigfoot. Why did you go to Ghost? Um, I didn't. There's no. I didn't see like a physical presence there. Mm-hmm. And it it being associated with like the waking up to the image of that woman screaming at me. Mm-hmm. It just kind of made sense. Now, did you, like, see the form of a hand come through the vinyl of the tent, or what, did it just happen too quick? It just happened too quick. It was just the tent, like, deformed inward and did, smacked me. Did it hurt? Was it hard? No, mm-hmm. it did not hurt. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was not hard enough to, like, harm me. Right. What do you do at this point? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, after um, you get I go back to sleep. I kind of sit there, and I'm like, oh, what the hell was that? Uh, I got to be up at 5.30 in the morning to work. I'm going back to bed. But it did happen at 3 a.m. Like, I checked the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I just went back to sleep. How are we able to do that? Like, and I say we because just, I've done it myself. You just roll over and go back to sleep after something weird happens. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's the whole, like, paranormal apathy thing. Yeah, I guess so. And it's so common. Mm-hmm. Like, so many people yeah. have these experiences. Oh, yeah. I hear about it all the time. It's so weird. You mentioned earlier not being able to wake your sister up when you were, you know, things were happening in in your room when you were a kid. That's another thing, you know, not being able to wake people up. It's like it's not for them for whatever reason. It's, yeah, there's so much with this stuff that there's these huge question marks around it. I was on a Bigfoot show a few weeks ago being interviewed, and these are very, very flesh and blood type guys. And the guy's like, you know, I'm talking about that aspect of the paranormal. And he's like, that happened to me. He's like, we were in a cab- <laughs> we were in a cabin, and Bigfoot was essentially attacking this cabin and banging on the side and throwing rocks at it. And he said there was like six guys in the cabin. I couldn't wake up. Couldn't wake one of them up. He said I was pounding on their chest. They said I was so afraid, and not one of them would wake up. I said, uh huh. That sounds natural. Yeah, perfectly normal flesh and blood blood creature. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like, wow. Okay, now that's really interesting. I have had like the lamest near death experience ever. Which I've heard there is a, there's a, a good portion of people involved in these things wind up having them. Yeah, what happened? Okay, this is kind of a sad story. When I, when I was 19, I was house-sitting for my grandmother out in the country with the private lake. And I have a couple of friends over. We party, wild out. We all get drunk. Everybody else goes to bed. But me and my best friend at the time, 
Uh, I'd known since like junior high school, like we literally lived together. We decided to go out on the canoe and go, you know, just enjoy it out there. We're, we're sharing a cigarette and he goes to lean, he like stands up to lean over to hand it to me and the canoe flips and we hit the water and he starts, he just starts doing the like panicking and flailing thing once we hit the water. Mm -hmm. So I try to get behind him and put my arm around his chest so I can pull him to shore, but he's struggling so fiercely that in the process of trying to help him, I almost drowned. There was just a moment where I felt my consciousness kind of, kind of like expanding backwards mm -hmm. and the world started to get dim. And then I relived my entire life in like a moment. Wow. It wasn't like watching my life flash before my eyes. It was literally reliving the entire thing up to that point in like the blink of an eye. I heard something say no. And then I uh, just like zipped forward. Everything came back into focus and I was back in my body and I had to like push my friend off and swim to shore to save myself. Was he okay? Yeah. No, he drowned. Oh my goodness. Oh geez. I'm yeah, so sorry. I, like I watched him die. And, oh uh, my goodness. At the, at the moment I believe he died, I felt like this huge burst release of energy. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's kind of brutal man i'm so uh, I'm, I, I'm so sorry that happened you know i am too i feel really bad for everybody involved in his life and I, i'm not like oh yeah that happened for a reason but it's just it's one of those things that happened and there's nothing that can be done about it mm -hmm. yeah and i would I, I, like i still cry about it i kind of cry a lot <laughs> but I'm, I'm still like devastated about it but I do have to relate it back to the experience I had on mushrooms, speaking to that entity where he said, you haven't experienced enough sorrow yet. Mm. So I don't know, like, am I just here to be sorrowful? Wow. I don't want to think so. Yeah, that's really, really rough. Now, I don't, I don't think anyone's here just for that, but obviously that is a part of life and it's something that, that we're all going to face one way or another and in different measures you know you certainly had a heaping helping of it right there so did he not know how to swim or was he just too you know he knew how to swim he was just extremely intoxicated mm. the oh you know what this is actually related a couple days before this happened we were like way less drunk and we decided to go for a ride out on the canoe and i asked him hey you know do you do you want to wear a life vest and he's like, oh, no, I can swim. And we go out on the lake, and it is dead quiet. Like there, there are no sounds, just absolutely silent. And we're sitting in roughly the same spot where he drowned. And all of a sudden, there's like a horrible screaming noise from the, the shore. I'm pretty sure it was a fox. I'm not saying it was something like supernatural, but it just went from dead quiet to this like horrible like woman screaming being murdered sound mm. and so i don't know if it's like that a warning <laughs> i mean if you were in ireland you'd say that was a banshee you know yeah i've, I've actually thought that since like yeah but it was just so easy to dismiss as a fox sure yeah yeah i mean and i am a firm believer that the other can use sort of natural things to get his point across in the instance of my raccoon attack, you know, that was definitely a raccoon. It wasn't a goblin, but I do think it was bound up in whatever else was going on with me and, and that location and all the missteps I had made. So was it a fox? Probably. But was it a fox scream with meaning? You know, there's the big question. Yeah, I do think there was meaning to it. I'm not a big fan of uh, coincidences. Yeah, me either. Yeah. I mean, I try not to attribute every single coincidence that happens to the other. You know, because that's just a road to madness. But Well, I, I feel I, like it's a, akin to the big dream, little dream thing, right? It's like sort of like big, yeah. meaningful coincidence and then like little, oh, that's funny kind of things. Wow, that's that's intense. That's a really, really intense experience.
Do you want to tell us about these disappearing objects? Oh yeah, this is this is kind of a fun one. I'll run through these real quick. I lost my wedding ring or uh, engagement ring at work, and it was gone for like three or four days. And I'm sitting at home, and I'm like, "Hey, can I have my ring back?" Just as a joke. And then very shortly after, I picked up a Bluetooth speaker, and the ring just like fell off of it. <laughs> I lost my work keys. They kind of just disappeared off my key ring. It's it's like a a key to locked cases in a forklift and they just kind of vanish. So I go to work, I tell my boss, he's like, Oh, it's no big deal. And then the next week I'm getting ready for work and I go to put my boot on and the re- the keys just fell out of the boot. <laughs> I'm laughing um, because the, the, this is like the sense of humor of the other. It's just bizarre. Yeah. I was pretty amused at the time and grateful for getting my ring back. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like there's nothing menacing about it. My wife thought she had lost her wedding ring one time, and she went to an event at the kids' elementary school when they were young, and my son got out of the car and picked up a ring. (laughs) It was her ring. It was just like, there's no reason that it should have been there. No, absolutely not. It was was just a gift. Yeah, yeah. To have it back. Yeah. I feel like these are reports. Whatever this is, these are things that are, because I'm guessing that you didn't have any recollection of leaving your wedding ring on top of that speaker no i, I lost it at work mm-hmm. like i i had it i i came back like i was getting ready to go home i realized it was gone and then it, it just like reappeared a couple days to a week later when i after i had said hey can i have my ring back yeah yeah you know and i just like immediately found it after that you know i don't like diagnosing people with this because i don't know if it's a blessing or a curse but there are some people who the other just kind of takes a liking to them or follows them around most of their life for better or for worse. It sounds like that's just your lot. It also sounds like you're dealing with it pretty well. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's weird stuff. It's, it's never easy to deal with, but you're not letting it dominate your life. It seems like, you know, you're, you kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm starting to have a hard time working graveyards, but that's like the worst of it. Uh huh. Yeah. I'd be like walking out to my, it's happened twice where I was like walking out to my car and something like I hear something charge me, like it's running straight at me. And then I turn and there's nothing there. Yeah. Yeah. I was just editing a show with a guy who was talking about hearing something come. So he was hunting and hearing something like come at him and then it never comes out. And he's like, he's like, I know somebody walked up on me. He thought it was another person. And I told him that this is the Bigfoot bluff charge. And you can hear this on, you know, Bigfoot, Sasquatch Chronicles and all these, you know, Bigfoot experiencer shows. These people talk about, oh, I was bluff charged. To my knowledge, 90% plus of these don't include a sighting with the creature. They just hear something coming through the woods and it never co- it never breaks through the brush. They just hear it. It sounds like it's coming at them. You know, this happened to us a couple of times, Chad and I. So I put that in that same category as the approaching something that never arrives. I would be so shook if there was a Bigfoot at my apartment complex because we are not at all rural. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're in the middle of a suburb of Seattle, basically. No, I'm not saying it was Bigfoot. I'm just saying whatever. Yeah. You know, the, the other just acts the same, like across. Like, well, you've heard me talk about Bigfoot and poltergeist. You know, it's very very similar. The difference yeah. being some occasionally people see creatures with Bigfoot, but otherwise it's you know pretty much one-to-one comparison you know bad smells rocks being thrown weird language etc etc stuff being knocked off the shelves yeah yeah. uh yeah i have a lot of poltergeist activity at work i do not doubt it do you find this stuff comes in waves like a bunch of stuff will happen absolutely yeah 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 there there have been periods of my life where for like years nothing would happen and then there are periods where it's just like non-stop strange yeah yeah, I don't know what that is, but yeah, that's a thing for sure. Yeah, like as soon as I had that experience on the mushrooms, like I, my life has been going weird since then. Mm-hmm. I mean, my work was haunted before that. Like, I have multiple coworkers who will attest to this. Our, our building is creepy. Even my fiance has seen shadow people in the building, and she's like paranormally blind. Mm-hmm. Like, she has like the null energy and just negates paranormal things for the most part Mm -hmm. 
Which isn't isn't always a bad thing if you don't feel like dealing with anything. No, honestly, it's one of the things I love about her. Yeah, it's yeah. like I we've only had two weird things happen together. One of which involved missing time, and the other was like a weird reality flicker where it was like the world got turned off and turned back, like rebooted. So how did that work? We were sitting in our living room playing games, like online, mm-hmm. and then like. I, I don't know how to describe it. It literally just felt like the world got turned off and turned back on. Our electricity didn't go out, but like both of us got disconnected from the games we were playing. And like our our internet just stopped. Mm -hmm. And I just had the feeling of we had just got rebooted. Yes. Yes. Somebody hit the galactic reset button or something. Yeah. I don't know, Jonathan. I don't want to predict anything, but I think you're probably going to have more experiences with this and, when you do, please do a follow-up with us. Absolutely. Hopefully they're all generally positive. That's certainly what I'm hoping for, because I don't want to deal with any more negativity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thanks so much for sharing your stories. All right. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Ray R. Myers. Who is this Ray R. Myers? He's an armless musician. He's the world's famous armless musician. And this is his life story, as told in words and pictures. The the best photo is he could drive a stick shift, which I can't do, and he doesn't even have arms. Yeah. He has a driver's license. Yeah. His it, left foot controls all the pedals, and, and his right foot he steers with. He's amazing. I didn't even check the... Uh, the date on this, is there a date inside? Or do you know the dates where he was? He was a circus guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Would this be like considered like a pitch book? Yeah, it's it's sort of a later pitch pamphlet. It's like what they would have sold? Yeah, yeah. Like If he performed somewhere. And people came to see him, yeah. Uh, no, there's no date in this. you have any clue? Mm, I'm going to guess 30s, but I didn't look up his story. You're familiar with him, just not the, the dates that he... Uh, yeah, he's a little bit later than the circus people I tend to know better. So, so it looks like he played slide guitar with his feet. I'm guessing he's using a slide. I'm guessing he's not making chords with his feet, because that would be quite amazing. Who knows? Did you see the picture of him driving the car? <laughs> Look at the back page. The... I like the one of him shooting a gun. Oh, well, you got to be able to still hunt. <laughs> you know... People will... Uh, They'll find a way. They'll find a way, yeah. Look, did you find the picture from driving yeah, the car? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's worth it just to see that picture. Driving a car is no handicap to Ray R. Myers, the armless musician. He drives a standard-equipped car and is said to be the only licensed armless driver in the world. He holds Pennsylvania and West Virginia's driver's license, having taken rigid road tests to obtain them. Um, by the car, I'm going to guess 40s, maybe? Yeah, at 30s or 40s, maybe. Yeah, I'm not a, a car, not a car guy. Not a car guy. Yeah, a really neat piece of like a circus ephemera here. So uh, I will put a photo of this in the show notes. If you click on that, it'll take you to our Etsy shop, where you can purchase that and other curiosities of the week. Those that are left, also at Etsy, original artwork and prints, including the artwork for this episode, which I've yet to do. <laughs> You can get copies of my books there. If you get them from Etsy, I'll sign them. You don't even have to ask. I sign them before they leave. Some of my music is there. Strange Familiars t-shirts, stickers, and more. Our shop name is Lost Grave. But if you type in Strange Familiars, you should see our stuff come up. I want to thank everybody who shops at Lost Grave because that helps the podcast as well. It all goes into one pot. Like, literally, we have nickels in a big container. It's actually a coffee can. (laughs) We'll call it a pot. All right. I guess that's it. I got to run and start getting ready for Alpha Twitch Day. I am princess of Alpha Twitch Day. You are the princess, yeah. So, like, it's time to get out that crown and start polishing it. My sash. Mm -hmm. Well, I get a new sash every year. Yeah, 10th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll get a new tiara as well. I bet you will. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back soon with more Strange Familiars.
Looking for something to do after Halloween is over? Are you into the strange, bizarre, and unusual? On November 3rd, 4th, and 5th, the Strange Realities Conference is coming back to Nashville, Tennessee and streaming online. Come join us for three days exploring mysteries, supernatural, the occult, weird history, and more. Featuring lectures, presentations, and workshops by Tim Banal, Zach Hunt, Melvin Vance, Bryn Collier, Tobias Whalen, Brent Raines, Joshua Cutchen, Kiki Dombrowski, Recluse, Nathan Isaac, Christopher Ernst, Aaron Gullius, David Metcalf, Timothy Renner, Mallory Samwitzki, Soraya Azkap, and special guest Steve Berg as your Master of Ceremonies. Make sure to join us for the fun and informative weekend online and at SIR Nashville November 3rd and 4th and online only November 5th. Tickets are available at strangerealitiesconference.com. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Hollow Arts. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. We also have the Strange Familiars Gathering Group there, which you can join and comment and share interesting things. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, all one word, smushed together, no underscores or spaces or anything like that. And we're on the web at strangefamiliars.com.
Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.